Good morning, everybody. This is the Marcus Today Members Podcast on Friday, 23rd of February. General advice only, if it's advice at all. Are you fed up of hearing about NVIDIA yet? Unbelievable. The whole stock market revolving around one company and one company set of results, and they were set up to either dump or pump the AI bubble, and they have pumped them, as you've doubtless seen. NVIDIA up 16% on the back of their results, 16.3% on the back of their results last night, and that took AMD, another chip maker, up 11%, Amazon up 3.5%, Meta up 3.9%, Microsoft 2.3%, Netflix 2.6%, it wouldn't really move Netflix, Snowflake up 4.35%. I'm not sure I should bore you with another rehash of the NVIDIA results. There are so many hanging around. I've written it up today as a lesson in bubbles, but worth pointing out that whereas we had the dot-com bubble, the most obvious tech bubble in living history, We had the dot-com bubble. The dot-com bubble was based on companies with no earnings. This is a company with earnings. Revenue from NVIDIA after these results is now forecast to grow 77% this year to $108 So there is fundamental backing to the company. These first quarter results are up 265%. Their data center revenue is up 409%. And I look around to make sure we hold NXT, NextDC, the Australian data center in our portfolios, and we don't. That share price has hardly got the exponential exponential trajectory of NVIDIA and is only up from around $13 to $15, but it is an all-time high this year up from $8 at the beginning of last year. So a little bit pumped up, but not overly pumped up compared to these other stocks. Anyway, back to NVIDIA. All the other AI-related stocks, I've listed them all for you. It goes beyond just Microsoft, Amazon, Alpha, and Meta. Interestingly, one of the comments from the Intel CEO is that the demand for AI chips at the moment is coming from big tech AI developers in the build stage. So that's Meta, Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet. But that at some point is going to spread to the corporate world as AI becomes part of everyday life, transforming everything to do with computers. The open AI controversial CEO Sam Altman is talking about the need for a $7 trillion worth of AI infrastructure build, including chips, data centers, and power plants. The NVIDIA CEO said accelerated computing and generative AI have hit the tipping point. Demand is surging worldwide across companies, industries, and nations. The demand for new generation AI chips far exceeds supply, even though there's been a substantial drop in Chinese demand, not demand, Chinese sales, thanks to government curbs on exports to China. The domestic demand is overwhelming. Analysts are talking about this is the start, not the peak of a whole new industry, that the AI boom is sustainable. And NVIDIA has the first mover advantage. I would just point out that Google's been developing its own chips since 2016. Amazon since 2019. Microsoft unveiled its first AI chip last year, but NVIDIA still has 80% of the market. Although a note of caution, 19% of their sales comes from just one customer. I assume that's Microsoft. And on the back of all that, 
This big tech boom is perpetuating on Nvidia. You've got brokers now upgrading their target prices from 650 over the last week to $800 ahead of the results. They're now up to $1,000, $925, $850, and the share price is 784. So still upside according to the brokers in Nvidia, and as I say, might be a bubble, but backed by some significant earnings. I did a few numbers trying to find whether there's any value here. It's really hard, isn't it? Because we're in the middle of a herd stampeding. Just to point out, price to sales on NVIDIA. So price to sales is the share price compared to the sales number. So a normal price to sales number for a boring industrial would be one, two, three times. Microsoft, 11 times. Amazon, three times. Alphabet, five times. AMD, four times. Intel, four times. Apple, seven times. Meta, eight times. And NVIDIA, 26 times. And next year, it drops to 14 times. So it looks overvalued, even on the earnings expectations that you've got now pumped into the market. Although to counter that, an interesting chart, which I've put in the section is NVIDIA's PE. The average PE over the last 10 years is 35 times. It's currently sitting on almost the lowest PE it's been on in 10 years, 30 times. And despite the share price going from around $100 to nearly $800, despite that share price rise, the PE has dropped from 80 down to 30. In other words, despite the exponential share price rise, the earnings, the E and the PE, are rising exponentially faster than the share price. So the PE is down to 30. So is it overvalued? Well, who knows? What I can tell you is we are in an AI sentiment bubble. And whilst, of course, NVIDIA is a fabulous company in the sweet spot on the day it announces results and goes up 16%, you have to make a differentiation. This is not a comment that you should sell NVIDIA, not that any of us hold it, of course, but we do hold LNAS and FANG and NASDAQ and the S&P 500 ETF. So it is related. This is not saying that NVIDIA is a bubble. It's all going to end in a terrible pop, but it is a good lesson in share price sentiment. There is doubtless on a price to earning, sorry, price to sales ratio of 26 times, a large portion of sentiment rather than value in the price in NVIDIA at the moment. And whilst it's a fabulous company, you do have to separate companies from share prices. So the company's fabulous, just like I I use the example, a Porsche is a fabulous car. Some of you might disagree with that. (laughs) Porsche, Henry loves Porsches. A Porsche is a fabulous car, but you wouldn't buy a Porsche for a million dollars if you can buy a new one for a hundred thousand, would you? So there's a price and there's a company. And NVIDIA is a fantastic company. AI might not be peaking. It might be just starting. AI might well change the use of computers forever. But would you pay a million dollars for a share of NVIDIA, which is trading at 784? No. So what would you pay? I think the stock market is about spotting stocks at sentiment extremes, those in a sentiment bubble, those in a sentiment hole. My question is, which one of those are we in with NVIDIA? Well, we're in a sentiment bubble, aren't we? In which case, I wouldn't be buying NVIDIA in the middle of this frenzy, and I wouldn't be buying the NASDAQ, LNAS, NDQ, HNDQ we hold actually, or the S&P 500. I wouldn't be buying that today on the day that the most watched company in the world has results goes up 16% because we're in the middle of a frenzy. Now that could be wrong. The share price could run off. Of course it could. But if the game is about spotting sentiment bubbles and sentiment holes, then we're clearly in the middle of a bubble. And 
What do you do in the middle of a bubble? Well, I'd be looking to sell, not looking to buy. When do you sell? Well, not now. The price is still flying, sentiment's still high. At some point, doubtless, some big fund manager sitting in their ivory tower in New, in New York in some skyscraper is going to say, enough's enough, let's dump our, quietly dump our NVIDIA holding and the whole thing will unravel again. But it hasn't happened yet. And you don't sell until it does. So waiting for that. So very happy to be celebrating in all our portfolios today, but particularly the strategy portfolio, we're holding the FANG, 10.5% holding in that. It's up 2% today. It went up a bit yesterday in anticipation of last night. HNDQ is up 1.4%. IHVV is up 1.3%. Even our Indian ETFs up 1.4%. And then there we have the ASX 200 ETF up 0.4%. It is looking so 1990s to invest in, so 1980s to invest in the Australian market, in banks and resources when the big tech sector in the US is flying along. So glad we only have a 18% holding in Australia in the strategy portfolio. The fantastic thing about ETFs, isn't it, is that we can access some of the international themes and we're in the right theme. We've got 70.2% of our strategy portfolio invested in the US exposed to this big tech rally. Until that turns over, we will stay fully invested. And what I would just warn you against is be very careful about being too smart, reading too much stuff, reading the perma bears telling you to sell into this rally. It's no good sitting back wagging your fingers at other people making money whilst they're making money. Yeah, the, the only time you should wag your fingers at other people is when the share prices have fallen over and they keep talking things up. They keep the faith. They stay dedicated in the long term whilst they get destroyed short term and miss the opportunity to sell at the highs and buy down lower later on, which is what we'll be looking to do if we sell ever if we sell the AI exposures we've got, the big tech exposures we've got, we would only be doing it not calling the end of AI. We'd be calling the end of the bubble in AI-related share prices, looking to get back into them to catch the longer-term theme lower down. That's what the game's about. Make money in any stock over any period of time and take any opportunity. So there we go. There's a rant about NVIDIA and what's happened overnight. Meanwhile, the results season carries on. Block has had results Before you get excited about Block, just have a look at the share price chart. It's pretty shabby. Block may be up 16% today on the back of its results and upgraded guidance and on the back of a global enthusiasm for anything to do with tech shares, which I have to say we're not complaining about. We got Wise Tech up today. We hold that. We've got Data 3 up today. And we got our strategy portfolio flying along today. So it's helping everything. But Block up 16% today on results. Newmont Gold down 7% on results. Why would you invest in gold stocks? They are not investments. They are trades on the gold price. And I have singularly failed to pick the eyes out of the gold price over decades. I've sort of given up on it. Unless it's really obvious to buy gold stocks. It's not a sector. I generally touch. Otherwise, BAP Core Auto Sector up 3.7% on results. AX1 Accent Group down 7.3%. Aussie Broadband up 11%. Jumbo Interactive, that's actually held in our 
Growth SMA up 8.4%. Austal Shipbuilding down 10.5%. And Piedmont Lithium down 6.8% on results today. Calix up 1%. That'll probably do you for the results. We've got a busy week next week with the end of the results season. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Results season ends on Thursday. Stocks we hold that have got results coming up. Suncorp, NIB Holdings, Waypoint, which is a REIT. Coles, Altium, which has been bid for in the growth portfolio, and Perpetual are the only ones we hold with results coming up next week. Next week, We also have notables, things we don't hold with results coming up, which will be interesting. Woodside, Illumina, Flight Center, Ramsey Healthcare, Platinum Asset Management will be interesting as well. We also have next week, look out for Telstra going ex-dividend on Wednesday, $0.09. Cents few other dividends around as well. Nothing we're too fussed about. Next week, we have the, on Wednesday, Australian CPI numbers. I have a chart in the strategy section today, or my section today, just showing that Australian bond yields are trending down whilst US bond yields are trending up just in the last month. But just interesting, a bit of divergence going on there. We seem to be relaxing about interest rates. They seem to be getting the message that the Fed aren't going to be cutting anytime soon. What else have we got next week? Standard stuff from the US, things like building permits and durable goods and that sort of thing. They've got a second estimate of fourth quarter GDP on Thursday. People are only really interested in the first estimate. The revisions to GDP numbers aren't of much interest. We've got retail sales numbers next Thursday. That will doubtless stir up the political football that is the cost of living. And there's a European CPI number on Friday. Right, what else can I tell you? NASDAQ about to hit a record high. If it goes up tonight, it will. Barch Hathaway, by the way, $900 billion company. I think Berkshire Hathaway, was it a, am I right, was it a woolen mill or something before Buffett got involved? Anyway, on a record high. You might remember we took a punt in the ideas portfolio on a Chinese stock market exposed ETF, IZZ, but erroneously sold it last Wednesday after we got, or were spooked by the US CPI number last Wednesday. Should have held on to it. We were on the right track. Have a look at the chart. Chinese market having a bounce. I was watching some US TV, business TV this week. They are incredulous that the Chinese stock market is being manipulated by measures to stop selling. And they make the obvious point that you can't manipulate markets for long. And People's Bank of China would be better to handle things by fixing the economy rather than blaming the shorters, blaming the foreign funds that don't want to invest anymore and manipulating the operation of the stock market to limit selling. That's the band-aid, not the cure, and it can't possibly last long. But it's doing okay for the moment. A falling Chinese stock market, by the way, the Chinese stock market is down 50% in two years. A falling Chinese stock market is a reflection, you've got to imagine, of their economy. And it's not a great indicator for the Chinese economy, the Australian dollar, the Australian economy, the Australian resources sector. And it's probably why we don't hold BHP at the moment. We also have sold Fortescue Metals now in both growth and income. And we still hold BHP and Rio in the income uh, portfolio, but we might be selling those after they go ex-dividend. I've had a few emails asking why we haven't done the promised revamp, cutting the number of holdings in the income portfolio. Because members have bought the stocks we currently hold 
for the dividends and with the results season, a lot of the dividends are coming up. So selling or revamping it just before the dividends get paid or not get paid, go ex dividend, would have been irritating to some people. So we've just let the results season go through. We will revamp afterwards, sell a few stocks and up the weightings, particularly I think in the banks. You might see, thanks to those wage price index numbers last week, that the concessional, pre-tax concessional and non-concessional post-tax contribution caps have lifted on super. So for the first time in four years, they've lifted. So the concessional contribution limit is rising from 27,500 to 30,000. The non-concessional cap will rise from 110 to 120,000. That's because they're based off the wage price index numbers, which are a bit higher than expected. So as of 1st of July, you can put a bit more money into super. Paladin, we hold in the growth portfolio, has been coming off the top for a while now. Nothing too onerous to the bigger theme of uranium. And I'm sure it will bounce on a sixpence at some point, but down 1.9% on results, which saw the reversal of an impairment charge. No revenue or dividends at this point. ProMedicus getting back on track after a 20% fall in the share price. Director has bought shares and the stock's bounced 8%, up another 3 4% today. Notably, the other stock which we got wrong on the, or one of the landmines we trod on this results season was Data 3, also fell 20%, beginning to find its feet again as the enthusiasm for tech returns. JB Hi-Fi ex-dividend yesterday. And Wally, we timed the bottom of Wally's recently. Done well doing that. I think our holding is now up around 5% in not very long. Happy with that. Busy, busy week with results. Plenty more to come next week. Not quite as many as this week, though. Education today. Paul has emailed in and says... Members probably need to know, which he has learnt the hard way, that in order to get a capital gains discount of 25% by holding something for more than a year, you have to hold it for a year and a day. He has bought on March the 1st, sold on March the 1st the following year, and been nailed for the full capital gains tax. If he'd left it a day longer, he would have got half the capital gains tax bill. And Martin has emailed in saying, how do you learn to adopt a contrarian investor mentality to equities as and when needed? A fairly general sort of question, but let me just say, I I wouldn't be contrarian as a setting, if you see what I mean. It's a bit like being a perma bear, constantly doing what everyone isn't doing. But the way I would define a healthy contrarianism is simply realizing that you need to be objective about what's happening in the stock market, particularly what everyone else is doing. As I can see on the screens today, everyone's carried away with NVIDIA AI and you can see the herd charging, charging. And it's not so much contrarian, but it's more, what would be the right word? Objectivarian. Being objective about what is happening rather than getting involved. Watching the herd, not joining the herd. Nothing is forever and everyone thinks AI is forever today. That's bound to be wrong. So being contrarian simply means being objective about the sentiment peaks and the sentiment troughs. And you don't need to always be contrarian. You just simply need to be aware when prices have been pushed way faster than the fundamentals. And it doesn't mean you do the opposite. It means you are now aware that the whole thing could reverse and you just wait for it to start to reverse and then do something about it. So I wouldn't say you need to develop a contrarian attitude. You simply need to develop an unemotional objectivity about what's happening in the stock market and trying to explain 
exploit the emotion and subjectivity of many other people believing the same thing and soaking up the same messages. When you see the headline, AI, it's just the beginning. Whoever's written that has just soaked up the universal vibe. And it's the sort of headline you get at the top of the market. It's the Imagine if you were to look back and say, what were the signs of the top of AI? I can see one of them would have been NVIDIA going up 16% on one set of results. The whole market going up just because of NVIDIA. Things all change for NVIDIA. We're assuming the best. So don't need to be contrarian. You simply need to be unemotional and objective rather than emotional and subject to the universal vibe, which will almost certainly, when it gets to extremes, reverse one day or another. So you don't need to adopt a contrarian view. You simply need to be permanently objective, skeptical, cynical, whilst retaining a hilarious sense of humor. It is, after all, supposed to be fun. That's about that. As I leave you, our market has been up 50, currently up 24. Block up 16% and Newmont down 7% are the biggest moves in the top 20. Otherwise, most things haven't really moved very much at all. BHP up 0.1%, for instance. Rio up 0.1%. CBA up 0.7%. Having gone ex-dividend this week, still holding up. Thanks to Newmont, gold is the worst performing sector down 3%. And thanks to everything that's going on, tech is the best sector up 1.6%. Dow futures down 16 points. NASDAQ futures down 20 points. They may have done their dash. You have a fabulous day. I'll be back with the weekend newsletter tomorrow. Hopefully you're holding the FANG, the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 because that's the only game in town. And by the way, congratulations to anybody who has held LNAS through thick and thin. I would have been scared out on the US CPI number last week. So very well done if you're still holding it. Kicking ourselves forever.